Hello everyone and welcome back to the Football Chugu podcast. My name is Thomas Turning and on, and today I'm joined by my co-host Pierce McLaughlin. Hello Pierce. Hello, how you doing? I'm doing well. On today's podcast we will be discussing all the latest transfer news from around Europe, giving our best El Clasico starting 11 from the 21st century and at the end of the podcast Pierce will be giving a rundown of all the latest Asian football news. So coming up next, we'll be discussing all the latest transfer news from in Europe. So we'll start off with the big news that Ilkay Gundogan has left Man City to join Barcelona. So um, Gundogan leaves Man City as captain of the club. And as captain of the club, he led them to um, Man City's first ever treble. So Pierce. What is your reaction to Gundogan leaving Manchester City to join Barcelona? Um, bit surprising um, that he's left to go to Barcelona because the fact is he was Pep was an advocate of him. He loved him so much um, because he was Pep Guardiola's first signing at Manchester City, and that was kind of like the start of the Pep Guardiola uh, revolution. City, um, and even then, like he popped up with so many vital goals, whether it be in the Premier League. Cup finals, um, and the Champions League as well, um. But the fact is, you you cannot, regardless how much money you offer him, like you could clearly see, going to Barcelona was just down to pure history of the club, um. And the fact is, he, he's gave, was it six years at Manchester City? He's been loyal, he's been ever consistent, and um, and he he just went out in the perfect way to do it and winning a title at Manchester City. And um, he played a very key role. And like you said, he was a club captain and uh, thoroughly deserved. And uh, probably the perfect send-off was his last two goals in the FA Cup final with Manchester United. The first one was a screamer. Second one, still a goal. Um, but no, perfect way to go out. And a very exciting signing for Barcelona because um, they're getting a very talented midfielder that can play in a variety of positions. And... Um, adding much experience to that midfield that is very young, especially when they're losing the, the likes of um, the experienced head of uh, Sergio Busquets as well. So, no, a very good signing for both parties, and uh, but I think Man City will um, will certainly miss them big time. Yeah, um, I, was, I was a bit surprised, to be honest, because I knew he was out of contract. Um, so I knew it was um, a conversation as to whether he was going to sign or not. Um, I, was kinda, I always thought he would have. But um, he's obviously not now. He's also joined Barcelona. And um, yeah, you know, as you said, he was Pep Guardiola's first signing. And, you know, what a signing he has been. You know, I think at the start um, of his Man City career, I don't think he was in the team as much. I think it was more, the midfield was more Fernandinho, David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne. So you never, he was more of an impact player when he'd come off the bench. But as a mo- and in the later years of his Man City career, he's kind of, you know, he, he's come on to be a crucial player for them, you know, obviously ended up being captain, and, you know, he, he's an absolutely amazing player, and for Man City, he's been absolutely amazing, you know, I think he's more known for uh, being a big game player, you know, in the games where the pressure's high, you know, whereas that's finals or uh, matches to win the Premier League title, you know, Kundigan always turned up, always turned up, you know, you know, you were just saying there, he, he scored the season just there, FA Cup final, 
you know, he scored in the first kick of the game, basically. Uh, you know, um, to, to win the title, he scores. Um, I remember a couple of seasons ago against Aston Villa, um, he didn't start that game and he wasn't happy and he came on and scored two goals for Man City to basically go on and win the title. So his impact at Man City has been absolutely amazing. You know, you know, for Pep Guardiola, I mean, he must be absolutely delighted with what he got because I think, I, I, I'm not even sure if Man City even paid that much for him or even if they paid that much. Even if they paid anything for him at all when they signed from Borussia Dortmund, um, but in terms of his Man City career, absolutely amazing. And going on to Barcelona, um, you know they're getting an amazing player. You know I think Xavi's always been a big, big, massive fan of him. Um, I think it's a good sign for Barcelona because, you know, we we talk about Barcelona in terms of they're always known for the midfield players. You know, Busquets has now left, so. You've got the up-and-coming Barcelona midfielders in terms of Pedri and Gavi, who are still really young. So I think Gundogan coming in um, what would help them a lot um, in terms of you know the, in terms of them keeping uh, developing and stuff. Um, I, I mean, I would expect him to play quite a lot, Gundogan at Barcelona. Um, I think Xavi will, you know, make him a quite a big player in that team. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a it's a brilliant sign for Barcelona, and I'm sure he's going to help them so much. Um, in terms of what they'll want to achieve, in terms of try winning the title again, uh, next season. So brilliant sign for Barcelona, and you know, don't think Man City will be they'll be they'll be pretty devastated. Um, so with Gundogan leaving Man City, uh, Man City had to react quickly, and they they have um because they announced yesterday. Uh, that they had signed midfielder Mateo Kovacic from Chelsea. So Kovacic will take the number eight shirt, which was previously just worn by Gundogan, who's now just left. So, Pierce, what is your reaction to Kovacic joining Man City? It's a smart signing, because um, regardless of how bad Chelsea have been the past season, um, with the chaos that they've they've had, in his time at Chelsea, he has been very consistent. Um, and a lot, he's, he's been at some top clubs as well. He's part of that Real Madrid side that in, in the beginning, the early years anyway, that he won a couple of Champions Leagues. Um, he was in and out of the team, wasn't really a starter, but he was whenever he came on, he did make an impact and he played in a variety of positions. And at Chelsea, alongside Kante and Jorginho, he was outstanding for a couple of years, especially under um, Lampard in the, in the beginning and Tuchel. Um, but I do think that like, he's a smart signing, 20 years of age. Good age to bring him in. Chelsea needed to um, offload because of financial fair play. Um, and I do think he's not he's not the same type of player as Gundogan. I don't think he's as attacking. He's more defensive-minded, uh, Mateo Kovacic. But um, he's a very versatile player and he can play in a variety of positions. And, um, and that's what Man City need. They, need. they just need different options in the middle of the park because they've got so many attacking options so maybe somebody that's that bit more defensive minded alongside uh, Rodri so no it's a smart signing and, and I do think Pep Guardiola's move fast to to bolster that midfield uh, following the departure you could get in the one yeah it's a smart signing because um, I think Kovacic and Gundogan are quite similar in terms of how they play um, so uh, it's basically just a swap basically I like to like because um, Kovacic, 
Um, I think he's I think he's quite underappreciated. I think he's a brilliant player. Um, you know, really technically very good. Can take the ball in tight tight situations. You know, very comfortable in the ball. Just a an a, a typical Pep Guardiola kind of player. Um, so I think I think in terms of like slotting in to that Man City team, I think he'll have no issues at all. You know, he knows the league. You know, um, can play. And that Man City team, no problem. He's, he's at the same quality level, so it wouldn't need... So it's not as if the level's going to be any anything different to him. Okay, the Man City team might be better than the Chelsea team. Um, but, you know, I think Kovacic will have no problem slotting into that Man City team. And I think they only signed him for £25 million from Chelsea. So it's good money. It's really good money in terms of Kovacic and the player they're getting. Because I, I, as well, he's a crucial player for Croatia. You know, he's helped them loads um, in terms of the recent kind of success that Croatia have had in terms of getting to finals of the World Cup and stuff. So, um, really good signing um, for Man City. Uh, and I'm sure they'll do well. Um, and I think Chelsea are, uh, you know, they get, they're getting a player leaving that's been really good to them. I think he's been brilliant for Chelsea. Um, you know, helped them loads. He's won them the champ, won the Champions League with them. Um, you know, he's... He did well with that role next to Canty in the midfield. So, yeah, Chelsea, I think, are going to be losing a really, really good player. And Man City will be gaining a good player. So, yeah, really smart piece of business from uh, Man City. So, Pierce, is there any transfer news at the moment around the world, basically, that you are keeping a close eye on? Uh, mostly just uh, kind of like the South Korean news and the Japanese league. Um but um, there's obviously one, one of the main talking points we kind of basically touched on it uh, last week was um, that Kim Ji-soo from Sungnam uh, FC, 18-year-old defender, and he was named in the FIFA Best 11 for under seven, uh, under eight, under 18 World Cup. And um, he just finalised he moved to Brentford. So that's that's kind of the last couple of days. So... That's a big signing for them. And Brentford, again, using markets similar to Brighton, where they're signing players that are the next big things, but not but not for big money. It's usually for small fees. And then they develop them, and they even, they even give them a chance in the, in the first team. Because you look at players like Alexis McAllister, and see so at uh, Brighton, and then you look at Brentford, similar to David Raya, and <coughs> a few other players like, they're just they're just really well coached, really well uh, built behind the scenes, and uh, I think he is the future of South Korean football in terms of defence in the next couple of years. And I do think he will develop even further at Brentford, and I think it's a very smart signing. So that's just, that's the kind of like the one I was keeping tabs on. So yeah, yeah. Um, there's a couple for me that uh, that look quite interesting. The the big one for me is Declan Rice. Um, I think that um. Because I think it's, it's like it's I think he's leaving Man City. Eh, sorry, he's leaving West Ham this summer. Um, and Arsenal and Man City have been kind of the last couple of weeks going are really interested in them. Um, but it looks like now that he's going to Arsenal. Um, Arsenal last night put in their third uh, official bid for Declan Rice. Um, I think the the money that's put in is kind of what West Ham are looking for, and Man City. They've only, they only put one bid in, which was rejected by West Ham, but they've now decided that they're going to pull out of the of the race for Declan Rice. So it looks like um, 
declarations going to Arsenal unless West Ham reject that bid that uh, Arsenal put in, which I highly doubt. So that's that's one definitely in the next couple of days I can see uh, you know, confirmed where uh, what's happened, declaration if he's going to Arsenal or, or if that saga is going to continue. Uh, and the other one that I'm quite interested in at the moment is Harry Kane. Um, it looks like Bayern Munich are um, really interested in, in taking Harry Kane to Germany. Uh, apparently there was a bid uh, that uh, Bayern Munich put in for Harry Kane, which was rejected. Um, but I think personal terms have been agreed. Um, but now I think it's just all about trying to get the fee sorted uh, with Tottenham. Um, you know, it's going to be difficult because Daniel Bolivia is quite a tough negotiator. So I, I'm, I, I'm not sure if that will end up happening. But, you know, with Tottenham having no European football um, this season, you know, in Bayern Munich, you know, they are one of the most renowned European sides in the world who are known, uh, who are more than uh, likely to win the Champions League. You know, Harry Kane might try and push that move and it could end up happening. So... The Declan Rice and Harry Kane stories are the ones that I'm keeping a close eye on, and we'll see what happens with both of them. Yeah, um, I'd like to just um, butt in for two seconds, Tom. Um, I do think the Harry Kane one to Bayern Munich, I think that is a goer, in my opinion. I think it should go because Bayern Munich last season, they lost Lewandowski and they didn't replace him, and that cost them big time in terms of the Champions League. Um, and I do think they want to really make a mark. And you've seen them in the Bundesliga. They crawled over the line. But Dortmund had the, the title wrapped up, basically. And then only down to their own downfall that they failed to clinch the title. Um, but I do think if they've... Bayern Munich have a proper number nine, like Harry Kane has a proper number nine, elite-level striker, he he gets them that Bundesliga title, probably gets them the treble domestically. DFB Pokal, German Super Cup... And then he gets you to a Champions League final, Champions League semi final. That's where Bayern Munich should aim to be. And I thought Chip Moting had a good season last year, but he ain't no Harry Kane, he ain't no Lewandowski level striker. Um, and I do think, although he, he wants to get that Premier League goal record, Tottenham are just stagnating. If not, they're just going to get worse. And obviously, it's a massive rebuild this summer. And Ange Postcoggle's just went into the job, so it's Remains to be seen what what his job will be like, and I do think if selling Harry Kane that allows you to start afresh, and I do think that Harry Kane deserves to leave for the amount of service he's done to Tottenham, and regardless, he's not signing a new deal, so you either cash in now, or he walks away for nothing next year. And the fact is, well, he's twenty nine years of age, turning thirty this year. He deserves a big crack at Europe, and I do think Bayern Munich is a massive step up from Tottenham. And he will win trophies, and he will potentially could win a Champions League at Bayern Munich. And touch on Declan Rice one as well. I think that's a fabulous sign if Arsenal get him. They, that means they really mean business because they're potentially losing Shaka and Party. So that's a massive void to fill, and he is a step up in both of those players. And um, obviously they, they were just missed out the title last year to Man City, who are just just dominating across Europe. Um, but no, I think it's a, a fabulous signing and it's like an elite signing with an elite signing you need to pay an elite price and that's what Arsenal are finally having to do Yep, uh, just, just lastly in terms of Harry Kane you know, it's, you were saying that it's quite obvious that Bayern Munich are looking for that Lewandowski replacement um, because 
they, they probably did struggle last season without him. You know, they, they won the title, but they didn't win it convincingly, and they, they did struggle a lot last season without him. So, um, I think Tuchel's big game and Bayern Munich's big game is to find that striker. You know, I think Harry Kane and Victor Osserman have been the two names that Bayern Munich have been linked with, but I think it's Harry Kane that they're more kind of interested in. Um, if Bayern Munich ended up getting Harry Kane, it would be a top, top sign for them. It really would. He would break so many records at Bayern Munich. You know, he'd be really, really good and dangerous in the Bundesliga. Um, but it's going to be difficult for them, I think. You know, Tottenham and Daniel Levy are really, really hard to negotiate with. You know, trying to take a player who's a captain from the Premier League to the Bundesliga, that's going to be really hard for him as well. But Harry Kane only, I think, has a year left on his on his um, contract at Tottenham, so that might make things a bit easier. But uh, we'll see what happens with that one. You know, that's that's I think this summer that one's going to be really interesting to keep an eye on. Uh, just um, also a little bit of sad news that came out this week that um, the former Scotland manager Craig Brown. Uh, sadly died. Um, you know, Craig Brown um, is known for being the last Scotland football manager to take um, the country to uh, the World Cup finals. So, Pierce, just what your thoughts on uh, the sad news? Yeah, tragic news. Um, the last I remember seeing him was as an Aberdeen manager. Um, but obviously in Scotland, he's talked about because how successful he was with the national team. Um and you've seen that like Scotland how difficult it was to qualify for major tournaments since because we've had some great managers like the late great um Sir Walter Smith and then you've had Alex Leash, um Craig Levine um Gordon Stratton and now Steve Clark who's probably the closest to doing what uh Brown done um. So, no, I'm a sad loss to Scottish football um, because he was an absolute great and um, he'd, I didn't even realise it was 15 years they had in charge of the national team, which is some achievement because not many managers get that long, especially on a national team post. Um, but the fact is he got us to three major tournaments in a row, in a row and, and obviously he got the famous one down at Wembley and uh, it was at Euro 96. Um. And obviously we're only assault we only an own goal for beating Brazil, uh, for getting a point against Brazil in the World Cup in '98. So now um sad, sad news and uh, nothing but total respect for the man and um um sad to see him go and uh, his legacy will, will live on forever. Yeah, no, um it was sad news to hear. Um, you know, you know, he's got a great, you know, he, he his um, time at Scotland as a manager of the national team was brilliant. Uh, you know, obviously, as we just said, he's the last manager to lead Scotland to a World Cup finals, which is you know quite a quite an achievement. Um, you know, he was um, although Scotland didn't get through this tie, you know, Scotland did go to Wembley and beat England one 0 Um, you know, he was he was known for that as well. Um, but uh, you know, a great kind of Scottish football legend. You know, I don't think he's Football and playing career was is known, but his manager career definitely was. Um, you know, uh, I read this week that he also came through the the Scottish schoolboy team with Sir Alex Ferguson, so um, they two have kind of been brought up at the same time. Um, but 
you know, a total legend in, in Scottish football. Uh, you know, and you know, he's gonna be sorely missed. And yeah, so sad sad news. Um so coming up next, we will be giving uh our best El Classical starting eleven from the twenty first century. So before the podcast today, um me and Pierce uh thought to ourselves about who we think our best El Classical starting elevens are from the twenty first century. So we're now going to review this um uh, on the podcast. So Pierce, we'll start with you. Who makes your best El Classical starting eleven? Well, I've went with a a four three three, but with a two sitting in a DM. Um, and obviously we've done the thing where it's like you cannot have more than seven players from the one side. Um, so that way it's like a, a kind of even split and you're not being biased to one side or just having a full Barcelona or a full on the other side. Um, and obviously I was looking for some of the names that played in this era and some of the players that are left out are absolutely ridiculous from both sides. Um, so I, for me, the start, the nailed on starters for me in this side were... The two centre backs, right back, and the two wingers. The rest were up for debate. Um, so the, I'll, I'll name the starters that I had to just have to put in. So my two centre backs were Sergio Ramos and Carlos Puyo. My right back was Danny Alves, just a shoe in. And my two wingers were Lionel Messi on the right and Christian Aldo on the left. That was my shoe ins. Um, goalkeeper was a toss of a coin, really. Um, so I've, I came up with seven names. Diego Lopez, Mark Andre Ter Stegen, Claudio Bravo, Victor Valdez, Iker Casillas, Thibaut Courtois, and Kaylor Navas. I've went with Iker Casillas. I just think he's a legend of the game. Some of the saves he made in that side for Spain and uh, for Real Madrid. And I'll always remember his 18-year-old performance in Glasgow in 2002. It was outstanding. Um, but I just felt as if, for me, it was between, it was between him and Ter Stegen. I think Ter Stegen's been ever-present in that Barcelona team and he's been very consistent. But I've just edged towards Casillas. And I had to give an honourable mention to Kiel Navas, who, for me, is one of the most underrated keepers in, in the modern era. Uh, at left-back, it was an even harder choice. I'd, the, the three I've narrowed it down to was Marcelo, Jordi Alba and Roberto Carlos. And I've just went with Marcelo because I've seen him play more. Um, I just think he offers more going forward than Jordi Alba. Jordi Alba was better defensively. Roberto Carlos, I just didn't see enough of. I was too young to what what witness him live. We've seen a handful of his games, and it was towards the back end of his career. And I just felt some of the performances I've seen Marcelo going forward was ridiculous, especially combining that left wing with Ronaldo. Um, it was a joy to watch. In the middle of the park, I've went for CDM. Again, this is so tough to choose, but I've just went with Sergio Busquets. So the five that I narrowed it down to was Busquets, Casemiro, Mascherano, Makaleli, and Xabi Alonso. So to choose any rows, any rows could have started, but I've went with Busquets because I just felt as if he's the most technically gifted out of all of them, and he, he, he was just a joy to watch when he played. And the other two centre mids I've went with are Andres Iniesta and Luka Modric. I just think both of them are quite similar, but they're just so attacking. Modric had to be in there for his longevity. I know I've left out players like Zidane, Xavi, Beckham, 
Kaka, Edgar Davids, the list goes on. Ivan Rakitic, Fabregas, but no, they, they were three for me. So Iniesta, Modric, and uh, Busquets. And up front, I've went with Karim Benzema. I just felt his longevity. Um, he was so underappreciated for years. Um, he's just so technically gifted, and he he works so well in any front line. And to get back into the this French squad that was thirty four years of age, and he's also a Ballon d'Or winner as well. So that's why I've went with him. But missed out was like players like Neymar, Huntela, Higuain, Morientes, Adebayor, Henri, Larson, Etu, Arnain, Van Nistelrooy, Michael, and Clive, Rivaldo, Bale. Chicharito, David Villa, Ibrahimovic, and Luis Suarez. Ridiculous to choose from, and obviously Raul as well. Um, so I've went with Benzema, but it could have been anyone. It was so difficult to choose from. Well, that was a brilliant team, Pierce. Um, you know, such a difficult, difficult starting eleven to choose. Um, to be fair, with my starting eleven, so I've gone a four-three-three as well. Um, two more attacking midfielders and one more defensive midfielder. Um, so, mine's just pretty similar to yours. So, starting off with the goalkeeper, um, I was, to be fair, I was kind of going, kind of going between two keepers, which was Thibaut Courtois or Iker Casillas. In the end, I went with your choice, which was Iker Casillas. Um, you know, an absolute total Real Madrid legend. Um, you know, countless trophies they won. You know, you the game that you mentioned there when, uh, when he was eighteen at Hampden Park. Um, you know, I didn't watch that game, but I do know the stories about it. Um, so I went with Iker Casillas. Um, also his national team career as well. You know, he won the World Cup of Spain as well. So, yeah, Iker Casillas went in there. Um, from a back four, um, it's a mix. So my two centre backs the same as yours. Carlos Puyol, Sergio Ramos, um, you know, uh, you, I mean, there's this kind of you could have went for Pique, um, Pepe, um, you know, these type of players, but I just think with Puyol and Ramos, you know, they were just they just standouts, you know, Carlos Puyol for his leadership, um, you know, his longevity as well, uh, you know, he was played different generations in that Barcelona team, you know, he was a brilliant player, and Sergio Ramos. Um, he was actually more, he had leadership, but I think people don't talk about enough about how many goals he actually scored. You know, he was known for a lot of goals he scored for Real Madrid. Um, you know, he scored in the final of the Champions League in Fafet Madrid. Um, you know, you know, he, he was quite a, um, not dirty player, but he did have a lot of red cards in his career. But, you know, he made it up for the countless memories that he, he, he gave Real Madrid and his leadership and his longevity as well. So, Definitely Puyol and Ramos in my, that's my two centre-backs. My full-backs are different tiers. Um, one of them's not. So at right-back, I have one Danny Alves. You know, Danny Alves. Um, I think, for me, Danny Alves was, you know, his link-up with Lionel Messi uh, on the right was just one of the best. You know, they two just had such a good understanding of each other. You know, he was, and he was such a good... He was, such, he was such a good a, a athlete as well, you know, so athletic, he could get, get up and down that pitch. Um, you know, he was he was a brilliant player. Um, and my left-back's different, so you went with Marcelo, but I changed it. Um, I, I actually did go for Marcelo at the start. 
But then I decided that I'm going to change it. I went Roberto Carlos. Now, I didn't watch Roberto Carlos as much. You know, I, I didn't really get to see him live. But the reason I went for Roberto Carlos is because I just think the influence he had on other left-backs, on all full-backs in the world, you know, he kind of made that role of the modern left-back now of what it is. You know, he was more... I think Roberto Carlos was how he could both defend and attack. You know, full-backs different so much now. Um, nowadays, you know, he's... Him and Cafu in the Brazil team, people always talk about how they two are the, the best full-back part fullbacks of all time in the game, which is such a good good argument to make. And I just think Roberto Carlos as well, um, although Marcel was amazing, I just think Roberto Carlos in terms of like the technique he had, you know, everyone remembers his his famous goal, um, where the ball swerved out and swerved back in at the goal, you know, uh, his countless free kicks he scored as well. So I've heard Roberto Carlos, um, but it was a thought it was a toss up between him and Marcelo. So going on to my midfield, my midfield, and my DM is the same as yours. So Sergio Busquets, just the influence he had, you know, he, you know, there's so many players now that try and copy what Busquets did in that middle of the pitch. You know, he wasn't really seen in the game, but you know, he was so intelligent and you know, just a brilliant player. Um, and my midfield, two other midfielders are the same as yours. So I've went with Iniesta and Luka Modric. I was so like I kept going back and forth between Modric and any um Modric and Xavi, and like I hate having to leave Xavi out, but I just went to look at Modric, um, you know what he's won his career, uh, you know, the fact that he's thirty eight now and he's still going at the top level, you know he's still one of the best materials in the world at his age, you know I just think it's amazing, um. And Iniesta, you know, he's just, for me, he was one of my favourite players to ever watch. He was just a magician on the ball. You know, he, the, the one thing I always think about Iniesta was when he had the ball, it was kind of like blue. Like, it never left him. Like, he ne- I, I don't remember everyone watching him and he took a bad touch and he was running, trying to get back. You know, I always just stuck to him. Um, you know, he was so good at controlling the ball and, you know, scored a famous goal in the World Cup final to win Spain, the World Cup. So, uh, yeah, Iniesta goes in that team for me. And then my front three, so my front three is different. So on the right is Messi. You know, I don't think there's too many arguments as to you can't take Messi out of that team. Messi's just one of the best players of all time. Um, up front on his own, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, you know, he did start off on the left at the start of his career, but he did go into the middle and, and played striker at the end of his Real Madrid career. So, you know, I'm allowed that so I can, I can put Ronaldo in there. <laughs> uh, you know, him and, Me- him and Messi just had to go in that team. You know, I, I don't think you could leave them out, you know, especially if it's a 21st century team. You know, they two were the best, two best players of all time. Um, and my last player who's playing on the left is Ronaldinho. Um, the reason I went for I mean, there's so many other players. You said Benzema. Could easily put Benzema in that team. Um, and Zidane as well. He could have been in midfield or even in the attacking roles. But the reason I went for Ronaldinho, it's just, you know, it's more personal for me because, like, when I was young, I used to always try and kind of, like, copy Ronaldinho. And I always loved the skills uh, he had. Um, 
you know, he was just such a good player to watch in terms of all the skill. People used to always try and copy him. Uh, you know, he was just such a kind of unique kind of player. Um, you know, lots of people's idols. Um, you know, and yeah, Ronaldinho for me. Um, so that's that's my El Clasico front eleven. But I mean, everyone's is going to be different. There's, I mean, it's such a it's such a hard topic to talk about. You know, there's so many players that get in that team, and it's hard to leave them all out because they're all like all the players that you've left out. You can mention they're just all amazing. Um, so yeah, such a hard one. But you know, that's ours. That's our El Clasico front elevens. Yeah. So, for the final part of the show, Pierce will now have his Asian football roundup. Yeah. So, European football. <laughs> but that is not the case for the Korean and Japanese leagues. Still in full swing. And uh, on Saturday, the twenty fourth of June, we had uh, Suwon Samsung Blue Wings nil, FC Seoul one, Jeju United one, Deja Hana Citizen one, Guangzhou FC two. John Butch Hyundai Motors nil, which I've done a match reports on the website. Um Ilsan Hyundai 3, Daegu FC 1. And then to round it off on Sunday, the 25th of June, Inchon United nil, Wang Steelers 1, Suwon FC 1, Gangwon FC 1. So that's leaving the table looking like this. So at the top of the table, we've got Ilsan Hyundai 47 points after 19 matches. And in second place, we've got Wang Steelers in 34. And FC Seoul on 32 points. So you see, they're also going to just run away with the league this season. Um, Looks set to win back to back titles. And down at the bottom table, it's 12th place, Suwon, Samson, Blue Wings, 19 games, 9 points. And uh, 11th is Gangwon FC on 13, and Suwon FC on 19 points from 19 games. So as you see, Gangwon FC and Sue and Sons of Blue Wings are cut adrift a little bit and you can kind of see them they're destined to go down the pair of them uh, unless they get their act together uh, sooner rather than later. Um, so in terms of Korean news, uh, so it's officials confirmed, they touched on it a wee bit earlier, um, Kim Ji-soo has signed on a permanent deal with the 18-year centre-back, joins a four-year contract for Brighton FC. Um, deal, deal also includes an option of a further year. Um. Yeah, so that, that's that, that, and obviously we're talk, talking about um Gangwon FC down the bottom of the table. Well, Yan Hyung Jun is livid after Gangwon FC rejected Celtic's um offer due to the method of this transfer fee payment. Uh, Celtic offered to pay in two instalments. Gangwon said they'd only accept if they could keep them until January, so that's when the Korean League season finishes. Um, but Celtic didn't budge. Um, Celtic are also beginning to look at alternative signings with Um Ji Sung and Jong Ho Yun from Guangzhou FC now on their radar. Watch the space as Celtic may compromise with Gangwon FC in order to sign their first choice. And um, the, the man in question has recently spoke to Sports Tucson and, uh, and as I quote him, I want to go to Celtic. I want to go in the summer, not winter. I hope they allow it as promised. So that's that's words from um from the man himself. And a little bit of Korean League Two news. Uh Ansang Greeners have sacked manager Lim Jong Hyun, who is under investigation for corruption. So now on to the Japanese League. 
Um, so on Saturday, 24th of June, we nearly had a full card. Uh, so we'd kicked off with Haikido, Consoldo, Sapporo 1, Serizu Osaka 4, uh, FC Tokyo 2, Nagoya Grampus 0, uh, Gambo Osaka 2, Kishima Antlers 1, um, Kashio Racer 0, Albrecht Nagata 0, uh, Kyoto Sanga 2, Yoka MSC 1, Sanfetchi Roshman 0, Yoka F Mariners 1, um, and the surprise scoreline was Shonan Bermel 0, Sagan 2 so 6, uh, Urai Diamonds 1, Kins- Ka- Ka- Kawasaki from Tally 1. And uh, the last fixture was played on Sunday, 25th of June, and it was Avispa Fukuoka 0, Vassel Kobe 3. Um, so that's leaving the table looking like this. So at the top of the table, we've got Yokama F Marinos, 18 games played, 39 points. We've got Vassel Kobe in second on 36 points, only 17 games played. And we've got third place, Nagoya Grampus, on 35 points, 18 games played. So it's very tight at the top of the table. So if Vassel Kobe won their game in hand, there'll be 11 points at Yokama F Marinos, with Nagoya Grampus only four points behind the pair of them. So at the bottom of the table, we've got 18th place, Shona Bermel, 17 games played, 12 points. And then Yokama FC and Kamashua Racer, both 18 games played and 13 points. So it's very tight at the bottom and very tight at the top. And that's all your latest Asian football news. Thank you, Pierce. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Football Chuggy podcast. This podcast will be available to listen to on the Football Chuggy YouTube channel and also the Football Chuggy website. Thanks for listening and see you soon. Bye-bye.